0: Amin, Ya Rabbi amin as rahmatullah Unless you could do addition and subtraction, it's unlikely you'd be able to do multiplication. There's a certain progression to this. And if we don't understand that, uh, we move forward not because of understanding things, but because of ignorance and arrogance. Ignorance and arrogance combined take you to places where angels fear to tread. We need to be able to see the limitations of where the actual knowledge that we have at a certain point in time takes us. And one of the most important things for us to understand is what we don't know. If we are constantly content with what we think we know, then there's no impetus to take us any further. Somebody wrote a book recently explaining uh, that you can't really go into business unless you know algebra. And people who don't know algebra can't be successful at business. And having been in business for a while, I can see why. You have to be able to take unknowns and project them into the future and make assumptions as to them. And if you're incapable of doing that, you're incapable of planning how your business is gonna move forward. Now, if somebody doesn't know that about business and is really uh, ignorant as to numbers and how numbers work and the fact that you're supposed to buy low and sell high and there's supposed to be a differential uh, you're going to have a great difficulty. There's a story about this guy who was buying watermelons in Philadelphia and taking them down to Atlantic City. And uh, he bought a truck, and he went to the produce market in Philadelphia and bought 500 watermelons, which was as much as his truck could hold. And he bought them here for a dollar apiece. And he took them down to Atlantic City, and he sold them for a dollar apiece. And as soon as he put them up for sale, they were all gone. So he got to the point where he was making three trips a day. But at the end of the week, he realized he wasn't making any money. So he was talking about it with his wife, and he said, I need a bigger truck. <laughs> <laughs> now, this this is where ignorance <laughs> takes us. We keep looking for bigger trucks. We, we keep looking for accommodations or or resolutions that have absolutely nothing to do with the problem that's confronting us. And until we actually confront our situations and have an analysis of what's going on, there's not going to be a solution. Mm -hmm. There's just going to be lamenting and floundering. And a constant treadmill-like going over the same ground over and over and over again. So, how do we get to the point where we actually have an understanding of what wisdom Mm -hmm. is? How do we get to where there's some real analysis in what Doing. How do we come across that situation? Well, for starters, we have to understand what the requisites of being at a certain state are. Just as you can't multiply if you can't add and subtract, in the same way, if you can't hold your tongue, how are you going to be wise? If you can't listen, how are you going to understand what somebody else is trying to get across to you? If your mind is so full of reaction, how are you going to be able to take what others are offering and integrate it into your thought pattern? If your pain is so great and so overwhelming, how are you going to be able to empathize with the pain of others? If your hunger is so overwhelming, how can you feel the hunger of others? If your needs are so great and have you so incapacitated, how can you possibly feel the needs of others? Or even the flow of things in this world because you become so preoccupied with the core needs of the center of your gut. What drives us? That's our initial question. What is it that pushes us, and in what direction is it pushing us? Where are we taking ourselves? Which train did we get on at the station? If we took the train to Boston, we're not going to get to Washington. It's not more complicated than that. Yet, yet, we don't look at the logo that tells you which direction you're going in. We don't hear the conductor when he tells us which way we're going. We don't talk to the passengers about where they expect to get to. And when we get to Boston, we're surprised that we're not in Washington. Mm -hmm. Now, how does that happen? Mm How does that happen, and why does that happen? Ignorance combined with arrogance. With the ability that we can push through things without appropriate training and appropriate knowledge and the absolute refusal to admit that we don't know. Now, this isn't only endemic among individuals. It's endemic in our entire society, and a lot of our science is based on these kind of assumptions. The more arrogant people are, and scientists who haven't reached the brink of discovering that they don't know anything, are among the most arrogant people in the world because they have so many degrees, and academia has given them so many honors. When they don't know something, will invent solution. And unless you can prove them wrong that solution becomes the acceptable theory at the time. Two days ago the papers were full of stories that the Milky Way is actually about twice as large as we always thought it was. Now that's pretty astonishing. Yet the entire scientific community was convinced until two days ago that The Milky Way is half the size that it really is. This is a pretty big place. Now what's to say that three days from now there's not going to be a different assumption? So if you think the kind of arrogance I'm talking about is not possible, read scientific journals over a period of time and see how profoundly assertive. They are in their assumptions and theorems, and how profoundly they assertive they are in why they change them. The one thing that doesn't change, the facts change, but the arrogance doesn't change. So, if we're going to change, something has to happen to our arrogance. Because our arrogance. Our arrogance is what's going to... The the doing away with our arrogance is what's going to allow us (laughs) to begin to attack our ignorance. If we don't do that, we can't do the other. So, we need to admit that we don't know. And we need to get a handle on the fact that we don't know. Um, I had an exam once, and at the end of the exam, at the end of the the particular question, which was about a page and a half long, it said, uh, how would you advise your client? And uh, I wrote the following, since I didn't know the answer to the question. I said, I would advise my client to come back tomorrow so that I had a chance to talk to somebody who knew the answer to this question so I could get it to him. Now, the truth is, that was probably a better answer than anybody else put on the exam because I would have gone to somebody who knew a lot more than these kids knew from studying from their professors. And I've done that quite often in, in my career. You need to find people who know about specific things. You don't have to have the knowledge yourself. But you need to be amongst people who have the knowledge, and once you're amongst them, then there's a way for you to get the knowledge. <clears throat> I was the city solicitor of a city once, and I needed some answers to municipal law questions, and I didn't know the answers. Well, there were a book of there's a set of books in our state uh, on municipal law. I called the author. And I said, this is what I need to know and this is what I'm doing. Do you mind talking to me about it? He said, mind, I'm 72 years old. Nobody talks to me. The first call I've gotten in three years. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to talk to you about it. And anytime you want to talk, here's my cell number. Well, this saved me an enormous amount of time and took me from the point of knowing absolutely nothing to the point of being able not only to respond to complex situations, but to respond to them authoritatively. Well, we need to learn how to do that for our own life in all of the complex situations that we run into. We need to be able to understand what we do know and what we don't know and have the appropriate methodology for moving forward. Without that appropriate methodology in our own existence, we're just going to be repeating the same things over and over and over again. It's like being illiterate in a literate society. You're constantly guessing. I was talking to a uh, young man who was dyslexic and we were talking about his grades and his grades weren't very good and he couldn't understand why he wasn't doing well in school. He thought the reason was that he couldn't guess as well as everybody else guessed Mm. because the concept of studying And the concept of getting information before you actually took an exam was foreign to him because he had so much trouble reading. So he made a different set of assumptions to fit into his category. And until somebody explained to him the problem that he was having and the reason he was having the problem, there was no way that he could resolve it on its own. Now, we have problems that we can't resolve on our own and we have someone available to us at every moment to help us resolve these problems we have to form a connection with that source to resolve these problems (laughs) Allah is waiting for us to walk through the open door and all we keep doing is knocking there has to be a change in our approach to things and it has to do with the acknowledgement of our inabilities and the fact that we know that there is a source a power that's so great that it can resolve everything and anything and it's just waiting to assist us Its mercy is overwhelming. Its compassion is beyond our ability to comprehend. And it's there for us. We were created by that power. That power is our Father. And that power will treat us like its most important child. (coughs) Each one of us needs to know that and to believe that. Because it is your belief system that allows you to either walk through the door or keep knocking on it. If you don't think you belong, you're going to keep knocking. If you think you do belong, you're going to walk in. What's your comfort level with your own father? What's your comfort level with the creator of the universe? What's your attitude towards him? What's the state of awe you hold Him in. How do you compare yourself to Him? Do you realize that He's all that exists and our point is to meld? Do we realize the nature of our existence? Because we create an assumption as to the nature of our existence and that assumption either holds us in place or allows us to move and expand. It either holds us in place as a coarse entity or allows us to dissipate into the glory of reality. And that assumption that we have of our existence is incredibly powerful. And we need to learn what The appropriate assumptions are. Because we have been taught by people who don't know. And we have picked up ideas that are of no value. And we think in ways that are inappropriate. So somehow we have to get appropriate thought patterns, appropriate ideas and an appropriate belief system incorporated into our being but that's not enough. We can say we believe in God and his prophet and the last day and the angels, but do we really believe in God and his prophet and the last day and his angels? Do we live our life as if God is watching us? Do we live our life as if we're in constant contact with reality? That reality being Hak, God. Or do we segment our life into times when we're hidden and times when we're not hidden? Times when God can't see us and times when God does see us. Times when we don't see ourselves and times when we do. When the cat steals milk it closes its eyes and believes nobody else can see it. This is a constant human condition. There are lots of people walking around with their eyes closed thinking nobody can see them. When we begin to understand these things and incorporate them into every moment of our existence, then we can begin to understand the steps that will take us towards wisdom. And the steps that take us towards wisdom are the steps of appropriate thought internally and appropriate action externally. Without the combination of these things, we can't move forward. If we are constantly involved in thoughts that involve lust in our head, how can we possibly be involved in higher consciousness? If we are constantly involved in thoughts that involve greed in our head, how can we possibly be involved in higher consciousness? If we're constantly involved in thoughts that involve jealousy in our head, how can we cons- how can we possibly evolve into higher consciousness? And there's so many of them. If we're involved with resentment, with hate, with uh, any of these qualities, how can we possibly move towards higher consciousness? These are not the realm that the hawk resides in. We need to move to the realm that the hawk reality, resides in. And as we move into that realm with our entire being, then everything changes for us because we attract different things to us. We end up being with different people because we find anathema in things that aren't involved in his way. They become like thorns to us and in the same way we would avoid walking on thorns we would avoid those things because we understand the concept of what they do to us you know you're not going to juggle with knives and you're not going to catch falling knives because they'll cut you. But you see, those are gross manifestations of silly behavior. But subtle manifestations of silly behavior, we're not as aware of. We're not aware of the mental scars that greed imposes on us. We're not aware of the consciousness scars that resentment imposes on us. We're not aware of the damage that is done to us because of the ill will that we have for others. We believe that we have ill will for others, we're somehow punishing them. The truth is, it's like the container that holds acid. If that container is inert to the acid, that's one thing. If it's not, then the container is going to be eaten up. This container, our being, is not inert to those acids. It's not inert to jealousy. It's not inert to resentment. It's not inert to hatred. And what it does is, it eats you up. We can't allow ourselves to be eaten up. We have to get rid of these things, and we have to replace them with the things that repair us and heal us. Love heals the scars that come from mistreatment. Love heals the abuse that we've gotten through our lives. But we have to learn not only to love ourselves, but to love outside of ourselves. And we have to learn to forgive the abusers and the abuse. And that's how healing comes about. Because if the the forgiveness hasn't occurred, essentially the acid hasn't been removed. Forgiveness is what changes. It's the alchemy that changes the nature of the acid that we carry so that it stops burning us and starts healing us. And we have to go through that alchemic, I'm not sure that's a word, but we have to go through that process. We have to go through the alchemy of turning acid into love. And as we're able to do that, we will become profound in relationship to the world because the world will become less and less meaningful to us. And we will be able to turn to that which is real. May Allah help us all find that understanding and find the secret to that alchemy. And may that transformation occur. As-salamu alaykum.